Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Star Trek Generations. In the year 1994, TNG finished, but there was one more episode for the big screen. Yeah, they. Uh, I think they like had their rap party. Oh, we're finished, and then like they had a report to week, like the report to work, like the next week. Yep. For this. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it, but it. There's a big difference between how the TOS movies feel so different from the show. Mm. But this really does feel like you're just watching a slightly bigger budget episode of the show at times. Yeah, yeah, it, it is the show, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, by first contact, at least they have new uniforms and new ships. So. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you have to find reasons for Worf to show up now. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yes, it is Star Trek Generations. This is Matt. This is Luke. Welcome to the Sci-Fi... Sanctuary? Starship! Uh, we could have gone with Nexus. Starship! <laughs> okay, Sci-Fi Nexus. Okay, sure, why not? Um, where were we? Uh, anyway, yeah, we're coming to you from the distant past here, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, we're... As we record this, we haven't even put up our Star Trek Five episode, and we're doing Star Trek Seven. So it's tomorrow, yeah, comes out tomorrow. But yeah, yeah, just we need to have this one in our docket. So um, here it is. Um, I yeah, this was one of my. I think this was the first time I got like no five. I said I got the pre-release. I think we by accident. Right. This one was very much on purpose, where it was like a week or two early, and we got out to see it. And the trippy thing is, we'd just seen all good things, the final TNG episode, like a couple months earlier. I mean, yeah. yeah. It really, it really, it was like, oh, it's exciting that TNG's going to the movies, but it, it didn't have any build-up to speak of. Yeah. See, I, I'd always imagined at least there was, like, two years between them. But I guess it's because I, I guess I was thinking of First Contact as the first TNG one. Yeah, because this is, like, the TV show. I think even the script is... Uh, they, they got the writers of the show to do a movie, yeah. No, they did all good things and this at the same time. And I remember the writers being, like, they were actually like, getting confused, like, what was in what. Right, because they took... The crashing Enterprise was going to be the cliffhanger of all good things until they found out it was the final season. And they moved that scene to the movie. Oh, okay, that would have made sense. Yeah. Can you have a cliffhanger for the movie? Is that too lame? That's pretty lame. Yeah. I mean, these days, they all do it, but... Yeah, I'm yeah. not a big fan. Oh, you mean uh, the episode ends of a cliffhanger for the movie? Yeah. That's fine, I think. Especially if the movie comes out a few months later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we had to like, I think we, I'm pretty sure we had to wait less time to see the movie after the final episode of TNG than you would have for the next season of TNG. Right. It was yeah, like yeah. really quick. There, there was some, there was some fun about it. I know Entertainment Weekly had their, um, their exclusive Star Trek issue, which still sticks in my mind for a lot of my Trek trivia and that sort of thing and how they like rated the episodes and, and so forth I don't think I actually have it anymore but uh yeah <laughs> this is the first one I can remember I don't think I, I definitely didn't see it in the theatre or anything I was too young for that 
Are we talking just TNG? Or well, because I, I, no, I remember I was already a fan of the shows. Mm. And the idea of this film was the most exciting thing. Like, oh, Kirk and Picard are going to be on screen together. It's going to be the best shit ever. <laughs> and we'll get into whether it succeeds in that or not. But that concept is still so exciting to me. So whenever they did, like, Power Rangers would often do an episode where various different seasons would meet up. I love that shit. Digimon, sometimes the cast of the old season will meet the new season. I love that shit. Yeah, Doctor Who's into that, certainly. Doctor Who, <laughs> I love a Doctor Who crossover episode. Um, well, the Marvel has built their whole franchise on that concept, right? Right, I mean... It's, and it's, now it's they're talking about doing this, like, live-action Spider-Verse. Like, all oh, that tickles my pickles, you know? Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah, it's something... That, if you've got something like this where there are multiple generations, the episode where they cross over, like, oh, I love it. And I... Like... Well, like you were saying, it's a beefed-up TV episode, and I, I cannot think of another feature movie that is as much like the TV show as this one. Mm. Just, I mean, is there any... I'm sure it exists, but... I guess, X, I guess you could argue X-Files is pretty close, but they didn't have, like, you know, iconic sets, right? Yeah, So yeah. you can kind of just Because um, the Power Rangers movie came out just between two seasons, but I think they did... They gave them, like, different armor, so it wasn't just the spandex... And they built a new version of the set and stuff. Yeah, we already talked about the animated Transformers, the movie, kind of just, like, throwing every kid's dreams out but the But then, windows. yeah, that literally... I mean, but that had a much better animation budget. Mm. So it did look very different. Right. Even though it was the characters, you know, just on the screen and then getting killed. Yeah. And new characters showing up. Yeah. But, like, even if you go from the movie to, like, season three, where it is all those characters, there's a big quality difference. Okay. I, I haven't been too deep into the actual... But I'm sure you can imagine that a cinematic movie and an 80s Saturday morning cartoon but are going to look pretty different animation. But I wise. have been watching TNG, and um, I mean, the only real difference I can come up with is it's widescreen now. Although my TV stretches out my episodes to widescreen, so that's fairly <laughs> different now. And, um, and, and, and PP lighting. PP lighting? Yeah. All the lighting in the Enterprise now looks like urine yellow. Oh, huh. I think. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, there's a lot of shots in front of windows and stuff, and you get more of like a golden. Yeah. Like they're trying to go for that sunset lighting a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, anyway, when we saw the movie, and, you know, we'd just been watching the brightly lit TV show, like, <laughs> not just a few weeks earlier. Right. Kinda, our first thought coming out was, yeah, everything looked like, like through a urine filter. <laughs> they've got the mood lighting on in every room of the starship. It's real dark, too. When Picard's, like, looking at his uh, album of photos. Like, dude, turn on the light. You're hurting your eyes. Oh, because you can't do it that dark on TV, right? Because right. It's a small screen. Big right. screen, you get away with it. Yeah. So. I don't know. I every day at lunch, I'm reading my book with the light off, and the Yuka Sensei comes in and turns the light on, and it's too bright for me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, here the the director's uh, David Carson, who was a t this was his actually his first TV, uh, TV film, his first film because he directed a lot of TNG episodes and other right. stuff. But they were just, well, oh, you did pretty good. I, I guess he came in under budget or whatever, so like, yeah. here, take the movie. Yep, because then First Contact is Freaks, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were any of them, like, film directors? Uh, the TNG ones? Who directed ne I, Was it Carson again for Nemesis? I thought it was Freaks again for Nemesis. No, he did Insurrection. Okay. The Insurrection is very TV. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, maybe it's too soon, but can't... Obviously, they did find a way to put the original crew on the big screen pretty convincingly. Mm. Did TNG really ever make it to the big screen convincingly? Not saying that the movies aren't good, but just, like, 
It's never particularly cinematic. I haven't rewatched them in a while. I feel like First Contact did. We'll get that one. Definitely gets gets yeah. the closest. Right. Insurrection's a fantastic TV episode. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like Nemesis tries too hard to put them in the cinema. Yeah, it tries a little too hard. So it doesn't so end up. They working. never. In this one, definitely Generations. I mean, is honestly just toned the lighting back to TV and making an episode. It's great. Yeah. Well, and well, well like because they did like a Spock episode and a. McCoy episode. This could have just been the Kirk episode of TNG. Right, really. And then, oh, and uh, yeah, just confusing us with Scotty there. He was also yeah. at a TV episode, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Which I guess he had already filmed at this point. So there you go. Yeah, because that was like season yeah. six. So huh. he'd, he'd already hung out with... Well, well he didn't hang out with the cast here, did he? He's on a no. different ship, but... Well, yeah, before this came out, because they wanted to do an episode where they crossed over, they were trying to... Well, sorry, a film where they crossed over. They were trying to come up with the idea for, like, Enterprise versus Enterprise... Right. A proper both casts thing. And A, they couldn't think of a way to do it without making one of them the bad guy. <laughs> and also, I think at this point, no one wanted to be on screen with Shatner anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did learn Nimoy was just like, well, there's really no reason for Spock to be here, so there's really no re- reason for me to be in this movie. And mm. no one drove that dump truck of money to his house, so... Well, and also, he'd already... He'd appeared in TNG right. as just being that old. Yeah. So if he then looked that old next to Shatner... <laughs> <laughs> Would they have had to youngify him a little bit? And, of course, I mean, you know, the idea was a six was a pretty good send-off, which it was. It really was, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a yeah, because this isn't the send-off, this is the handover. So. Yes. So, uh, let's get into that handover. Uh, we've already spoiled three things, but I don't think this is a particularly spoily film. Anyway, um, you know it or you don't, so let's get rocking with that story. In 2293, James T. Kirk and those actors still willing to appear on screen with him are attending the maiden voyage of the Enterprise B. The ship answers a distress call despite being barely operational and holding only a skeleton crew. They manage to save dozens of survivors from some refugee ships escaping a strange ribbon of energy, but Kirk is seemingly killed. An episode of TNG then ensues. In 2371, the crew of the Enterprise D are enjoying some pretentious bridge crew activities aboard a sailboat. Picard receives some distressing news, and Data inserts the emotion chip. Answering another distress call, the D crew encounter a science station in jeopardy, aboard which they meet Dr. Soren. Soren was among the same crew Kirk rescued, is one of Guinan's race, is working with some Klingon revolutionaries, and is desperate to return to the Nexus. Picard beams down to a planet to attempt to stop Soren destroying its star, while Riker and the crew battle the Klingons' out-of-date bird of prey, which unfortunately knows their shield modulations. While Riker is victorious, Picard fails and enters the Nexus. Here, Picard has a creepy Victorian family, but what he really wants is help defeating Soren. He finds it in the form of James Tiberius Kirk. After convincing Kirk that none of this is real, the two of them return to Soren's planet and are able to defeat him in a geriatric brawl. The star is saved, but Kirk, the Enterprise, and the Picard family line are all doomed.
Okay, one thing you might have gotten, not not quite wrong, but not quite accurate. Dozens of survivors. 47 survivors, man. Yeah, three dozen. Four dozen. 47. Yeah. 47. That's, that's, oh, it's the Star Trek that's TNG, the TNG number. number yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah, I had to call it out. And the other thing that you didn't know you got right was the uh, pretentious bridge crew activities. Yeah. Um, I know you haven't gotten to lower decks yet, but there's an episode where that's used uh, for one of the ensigns as like, it's like um, punishment, being promoted to uh, senior staff. So now she has to go do the the boat thing and the poker game and uh, and the classical concerts and all that. Yeah. <laughs> she just wanted to hang out with the homies down the lower decks. <laughs> See, people make fun of it, but one thing I did like about um, the Kelvin movies is their version of pretentiously being into something old was liking the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and here it's a, usually the pretty staid stuff, I guess. It's stuff that there is no licensing to pay for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've, I've said it before. I, I, I'd probably cop over to 10 4 with my cello, but I'd also be being slightly pretentious, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But hey, you know, that would be such a wonderful opportunity because in 10 4 they let you do that stuff. Yeah, but I'd be down in the holodeck nightclub just raving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's the Barkley move, is it? Yeah, oh, there's got to be some sick raves on board a Starship, a Starfleet spacecraft. The Discovery had that one. Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, well, there's more disco, but whatever. Yeah. You know, it was just right. they had some nice lighting. Was that the, the Timely like episode movie. as well? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good episode. <laughs> um, is this a good episode? It is a good episode. It's. Here's the thing. I actually really like this film. I enjoy watching this movie. It doesn't deliver on its one key promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, mean, I, I hadn't watched this since I was basically a kid. And I remembered most of the beats and stuff. But the way it fits together, I'd remembered so differently. Because I remembered Picard spending most of the film in the Nexus. And having loads of screen time with Kirk. <laughs> and, like, basically the whole, like, crux of the film was him and Kirk. Like, you know, him convincing Kirk it's worth coming back to Starfleet or whatever. But that's, like, a five-minute scene at the end. I think I'd somehow combined this film with um, The Inner Light. Oh, where Picard does have, like, a, a whole episode in a... yeah. Which is a better movie than this, too. Oh, The Inner Light is what? Phenomenal. I mean, like, like, by the time you're hearing this, we've, I, I'm pretty sure we've already done Yesterday's Enterprise, mm. which is, a, as a TV episode, is a better movie than this. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, because that one is very cinematic. It's more yeah. cinematic, other than things like lighting. It is more cinematic than this one. Yeah. I mean, it feels more epic. Well, I, I, I just, because they just finished writing TV episodes and they're suddenly writing a film, I think they were just in TV mind. Yeah. Like, if, like you say, if it didn't have that lighting, this film has so few effect shots, they could have been done on a TV budget. They look really good because they were done by like ILM or whatever, but they could have been done by the TV team. I actually this could have a, just been a two-parter. I wrote a few times, um, like, is this actually like just a... I, and yes, ILM did do it. They did soup up, add a little more detail to the Enterprise D, all that. Hmm. Um, but when I was watching a few nights ago, I was like, did they just lift this from the TV show? Right. <laughs> it like, wasn't like enough of a difference to really tell. I guess that's where it helps to get like a new ship in the, the next movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then like the, um, even the Bird of Prey they fight, they reuse the explosion from the previous film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to make a line like, oh, we're fighting an out-of-date Bird of Prey. <laughs> but they've like got through our shields or whatever. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it lacks in cinematicness, and the, the little bit they did add is weird. But yeah, I feel like 
it maybe it wouldn't feel if it, you saw this film in isolation. It's not like it looks bad. I enjoy it's because it. we've watched so much of the show and it looks so much like the show. Mm. I was watching it on the same laptop screen I've been watching TNG on and it could have just been the next episode, right? Yeah, but. it just seems a little off in some weird way. Um, one epic thing, though, um, that stellar photography is cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we get to see little things that we didn't see in the show. Apparently, that was just a massive set. Oh, yeah. Like, because I, I guess it was all bl- just a giant blue screen, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but it was a cool set. So, um, yeah, I was reading one of the books. It might have been one of the Titan books. I'm just geek out as hard as I can, where they, they you have to imagine because it it's a book, but they got the stellar cartography room. It's, um, is it Aquiel, the, the woman in one of the terrible episodes who can't really move properly without stuff? So she's turned off the gravity in stellar cartography. <laughs> so everybody's just like one floating of, around looking at the Aquiel is one of the women that um, Geordie gets creepily obsessed with. Okay. <laughs> could she walk properly? Yeah, she could walk. No, she was um, presumed dead and oh. he was meant to be investigating her death. Oh, I'm thinking of someone alive. else. Then. Any, anyway, it's a, a crew member who um, the gravity is too strong, so just and they're the in charge of the stellar photography, so they right. they've turned off the gravity. Because they always mention stellar cartography in the show, we just never see it. The Enterprise D should have dolphins on it, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they got like cetacean navigation. I hope they got saved at the end of the film. Yeah, that's another <laughs> thing. Lower decks brought. They do mention the cetaceans on the ship. Nice. That's great. <laughs> but. Um, you should, I, I, I guess we just needed to like spread out some geek stuff here. So uh, should we go ahead and properly do the actors since we haven't actually done this crew yet? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm not sure the actors of the original crew that show up necessarily were the ones that wanted to be around Shatner. I think they're the ones that were like, yes, I'd like this paycheck. Yeah, that's probably... <laughs> well, I feel like uh, with Chekhov, he didn't really care either way, right? I don't know. You I mean, don't think he's... Are we talking Koenig or Chekhov? Koenig. Okay, he yeah. hasn't spoken out that much about hating Kirk, has he? No, I just tried to interview with him recently. He's a, yeah, he's, he's a pretty interesting dude. So. Yeah, he, he comes across as, you know when like some friends have a falling out? He's that one guy who's just trying to still be friends with both. <laughs> I think he just—he just seems like a nice guy. He wasn't gonna have any beef with anyone. I think Jimmy Doohan was not very cool, Shatner. No, he wasn't. I remember that because, <laughs> like, they even kind of seem like they hate each other. Yeah. This. So, it's, so just when you said like the crew members that will show up with Shatner, I'm like, are we? Sh-? Well, I mean, I think it's the, the crew money. members you can't afford to say no. <laughs> it's my right, right, accurate. right. Yeah. I don't know. They could have made some convention money too, but Probably. yeah, being on screen, it's, it's yeah. cool. You're, you know, I mean, Doohan, he was. He died like five years later, so this yeah. was a, it's a nice last hurrah. Yeah. Everyone loves Scotty. <laughs> but then, yeah, it's not. Uh, we can't really spend too much time talking about the TOS crew because we've done five films of them. They yeah, don't it was do like much a minute. Here. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who's your favorite actor? Of, of what? Of all time? Yeah. Oh, well, if it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> you, it was Patrick Stewart. You changed yeah, yeah, your Schwarzenegger because yeah. no one in Japan knew Patrick Stewart. Yep. It's yeah. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, I love Schwarzenegger. He's not a good actor. <laughs> Patrick Stewart is always phenomenal. Yeah. He's great in this movie. I mean, he's he's given, like, almost the most ridiculous, like, sentimental story to deal with and handles it great. Yeah, well, it, it's like, you know, they're like, oh, we're doing a film. What do you want? He's like, just give me something, something to act. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, okay, we're going to give you some, like, deeply tragic news. 
and you're going to carry so many different emotions. And I did write, no more fun Picard for this movie once he gets his message. Yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't have much fun with Kirk either, does he? No. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, yeah he's, he's not having a good time for this whole film. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit when they are finally saving the day where, like, oh, they're having fun being Starfleet captains together. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, he is not having a good time. But well, nor Patrick, should he be. He's Patrick Stewart, and he's very good at that. So yes, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, like you say, it could be real schmaltzy and crap if it wasn't one of the greatest actors of all time doing it. Yeah, but yeah, he delivers it phenomenally. Yeah, and and you know what? One thing we're gonna say: they've stuck by that plot point all the way through Picard because yeah. in Picard he is the last and yep. now he's a robot oops spoiler you're a Trek dude if you're, or a gal listening to this so deal with it <laughs> I was wondering if like they're gonna try and give him some lame closure by some other character is gonna raise, Ray Skywalker it and be the next Picard <laughs> that doesn't make sense <laughs> what? the next Picard oh you mean like like his essence is in another actor no no yeah like um, the like Data's daughter, if she would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I don't want this fake name they gave me. I'm gonna take the name Picard." Oh, Something like that. right. Okay, she can still do that, I suppose. Yeah. She, well, she'd have to be. Oh, well, especially if Patrick Stewart dies and they want to keep calling it Picard, they're yeah. probably gonna do something like that. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess they can. Now it's sci-fi. Yeah. Um, um, who is the? Okay, not not counting the original crew. Yeah. Who is actually the the number? Who is the real second build actor in this? It's got to be um, Dea, right? I, I, I think it is. That because said, it feels like they went in like, okay, you two are our best actors. We're giving you a bunch of acting to do. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, like, technically it was always Frakes, right? Yeah. Maybe that's why he got thrown the directing bone. Also because he can actually direct, yeah. so that helps. <laughs> John Frakes is genuinely good. I mean, he's not like a phenomenal director, but he's a real steady hand. Yeah, he's in for episodes of Discovery. Does great. Yeah. Well, I, I, every time I think to look at the credits, oh, I bet it's going to be Frakes, and then it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. If I decide to look at the director, it always ends up being Frakes. So, uh, well, here we are talking about Frakes first anyway. We'll get to Brent Spiner. But, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's Riker in this episode. Episode. Yep. I caught an episode again. Yeah. We don't even do episodes on this podcast, and I still called it an episode. Well, we just talked about Picard, and we did do episodes of that. Okay, true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's just, he's Riker. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. He's good. He's Riker. But, yeah, it's just Rikering. He, he, does he, Riker ever do anything other than Riker throughout the films? Not really. Uh, I think he gets a few moments to be command and insurrection when Picard's busy. But right. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, well, he, he does, does this his, too. But. He does his like Riker maneuver, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. He, well, he crashes the Enterprise here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he gets well, that's to, like, Geordie's fault. <laughs> he gets to do like cool shit in Insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> well, he gets to have his like fight over a bridge in Nemesis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets get married, become Mr. Troy. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, he never never really feels like his character goes anywhere. He's just there to be action man. Well, the thing is, and they even kind of made a meta point of this in the show. The only way for Riker to evolve is, is to, to leave, leave yeah. the Enterprise. <laughs> so yeah, the next, the only time we see Riker evolve is when he finally shows up in Picard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um... So we, he seems like a likable dude. Let's let's. Uh, oh, yeah, I like I like Frakes. I like Riker, but he doesn't do anything He's to here. blow you away. Uh, Brent Spiner, Data is definitely back. Data is a Gumby character. Oh yeah. I mean, and and they definitely Gumby him in this movie. I mean, like Data knows at this point not to push Doctor Crusher off of the boat. Though I thought it was pretty funny. I guess the audience supposed to think it's pretty funny. And it I, I did really find that. Oh, funny. it is. Especially when Jordy's like, Data, that wasn't funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I it fucking was. But Data knows not to do that. At this but point. the thing is, I would have done that. 
Yeah. I think that actually was the correct funny thing to do in that situation. Yeah, really. It was, it was right. So maybe it was right. Screw the that. rest of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have some fun with your your senior staff bridge crew activities, man. Data knows that. Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner is kind of a weird actor. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's why he's so good. <laughs> How did you mean it? I don't like I don't even know. I, I've never been able to get a fix on what kind of dude he is. Oh yeah, you, I don't think I would want to. It seems like he's like even a little like obviously not having like the the Shatner dramas uh, from t the TOS crew, but it seems like Brent's always been like kind of the standoffish one from the others, like just like in general. I think because like Picard was a good enough actor that he didn't get typecast. He's done loads of stuff. Brent Spiner is a very good actor, but did get typecast. Yeah. So I feel maybe he just had some bitterness. That might have been it. Because he only all he plays now is Data or Weirdos. <laughs> like he's the weirdo in um, Independence Day. That was quite a while ago, but <laughs> yeah, but he came back for the sequel, didn't he? I thought he died in the first one. Oh, it's left unclear. Maybe he didn't come back. I haven't seen the sequel. I but saw. Yeah, that was. I saw. Well, that, it and yeah, I Independence Day the was the same year as this. <laughs> Fuck. Or well, no, two years later. Yeah, it's a couple of years later. I yeah, but first, yeah, same year as First Contact. Yeah. So, it was a little bit after. It was like, oh, this is what Brent Spiner's doing after Star Trek. Yeah, but he was also still doing Star Trek. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he at least get to, got to count himself as, like, a major motion picture actor for a few years there. But, yeah, I guess he's kind of, well, in, in every conceivable way, he is the Leonard Nimoy yes. of TN, yes. TOS. TNG. He was so good, but he'll never not play Data. Right. But, but like, Leonard Nimoy is very good, but he'll always be Spock. He got his insertive show in the 70s. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, he did bits and bobs, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, um... He did that Bilbo Baggins album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Brent Inspiring did that jazz album. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of weird Trek music out there for you. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I mean, in this one, Data is comic relief, essentially. He is. Um, the emotion chip thing, I guess, should be the next, like... They play it for comic relief, I guess. I guess they already played it for drama in the, in the TV shows, so now they're playing it for comic relief. Yeah. The, again, that's something they continue to own up through the next couple movies. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess he was able to turn it off later, but it was still like, oh, yes. Yeah, I guess these films this. never do the hitting the reset thing, yeah. which I felt like the TOS films kept trying to do. Mm. In fact, uh, Nemesis has no emotion, right? So there's nine books to like try and explain away Nemesis had like um, Data making a some kind of decision Star's fleet didn't like because of his emotion chip and like forcibly took it out. Huh. <laughs> so, but, I, I, Insurrection Data's being weird, but I can't remember if he has the emotion chip. I think he does. He's probably just used to it at that point. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, anyway, that's that's here. But yeah, Nemesis is a weird. We'll I, get I was, there one day. <laughs> I was about to sit here and say, oh, well, the emotion chip's the next like move for Data, like Riker leaving the Enterprise. But, yeah, they play it for comic relief and. And, and, you know, he gets the but one... But Data's often been comic relief. Right. And, like, the only time he's not comic relief is if it's a fully Data episode. Mm. And this episode, film, whatever, is a Picard one. It's the B-plot. It's not a Data one. Yeah, well, so, yeah. As well if it's the B-plot, it's got to be a joke. <laughs> okay. Um, there are, of course, the other actors. LeVar Burton... Just gets... barely, though. Well, I, I said LeVar, LeVar Burton, Burton first. Are we going to do that? Yeah, I mean, he's kind kind of just here to be captured and they use his visor, right? And they, it's like a weird roots throwback. Yeah. That's kind of creepy <laughs> in a Star Trek movie, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he has a he has a very fascinating career, too. Reading Rainbow Roots and Star Trek. 
Yeah. That is a straight. All of them iconic and a really strange combination of. He things. still does reading stuff to this day. Yes, yes, on the podcast. He does. Yeah, he's yeah. On the so Levar Burton reads. So yeah. And it, if you, I'm, I'm, that's not really my thing, a podcast. But if you do like the narrative podcast, it's a pretty good one. So. And of course, showing up in community. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see much community, but sure. I um, Donald Glover's character idolizes, um, Levar Burton. And eventually okay. goes off to sail around the world with him. Ah. And they both die in a storm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and it comes up like headline, Lavar Burton and some other guy dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Gates McFadden, you want to say anything? She's fine. I like Gates McFadden. Yeah. She's okay. fine. Yeah, yeah. Also, she's fine. Yeah, she, she's 40-something fine. I'm 41, so sure. Yep. Uh, Michael Dorn, he's, he's Worf. Worf gets more things to do later. Does it? When, when did Worf move to Deep Space Nine? Right after this. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I remember in um, First Contact, they have to make a thing of him coming back, right? Yeah. Whereas in this one, yeah, he's just there. Yeah, because it's like a week later. I almost assumed that the scene was him leaving, right? It was just him <laughs> getting a promotion, which yeah. I guess was them laying the ground for him leaving. But Yeah, yeah, because he's promoted when he shows up. But yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was might have been like a full year after this, to be honest. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was like a year after. Right. So they weren't really thinking about it at the time. Um, Rina Serta, she's she's Troy, she's a I great mean, she's an actress that she never she almost never gets her due on track, which is a bummer because she's pretty groovy. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> here she is literally there to be the counselor. Yes, which, which know, is her she job. Does. Yeah, <laughs> it's better than the computer voice job. So yeah, <laughs> uh, Malcolm McDowell. Let's, let's, let's sink our teeth into something. Yeah, he's chomping some scenery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Honestly, as I'm not going to put this near the top of my Trek movies, but I think... Oh, there's Christopher. Okay, after Khan, it's definitely like... I, I'm going to have to put Malcolm McDowell above Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I really like Plummer. He's good, too. Okay, yeah, he should have entered my thought, too, but... I don't know. I, I, I think McDowell's good, but he's just got a nice scowl in his mouth. I think the, I like him. I think it's he's not well written. He's but he's playing it real. No, well. I was gonna say what it is. He never has much time with the characters. That's true. There's no emotional battle between him and Picard. Yeah, he's just doing something evil. Picard wants to stop him, mm. but there's no there's no antagonism between them. Whereas like Khan and Kirk is like a battle for the ages. Kirk and whichever Klingon villain. There is an emo- there's the whole Cold War metaphor. There's Kirk's hate for the Klingons. There's something there. Yeah. Whereas this, it is just, here's a villain and the hero wants to stop him. You just haven't watched The Clockwork Orange yet. Well, true that. Okay. Yeah, but that, that doesn't affect this film. <laughs> well, it does affect the film in that you're just like, that intensity is repeated. Yeah, well, he's, like I said, he is very good. Yeah. But I just, I don't feel this hero. Yeah. He's a good villain. I don't feel this hero-villain battle, mm. which I think is fundamental to a good villain. Again, it's maybe they didn't write this one as well as we could have hoped. Yeah, there's definitely some a lot of fodder there, and definitely a great actor to do that. So, um, I also I love there's a quote from McDowell where he's like, "I, w- I refuse to play an alien because I was not getting up at four a.m. to do makeup." That's legit. <laughs> Which I like, get yeah, that. I got a lot of respect for the principles of just telling him that. <laughs> yeah, I'll come and do a Star Trek movie, but I'm not doing that stupid alien makeup. <laughs> Fair play. Whoopee. No, my main thing is it's a shame she didn't get to appear with Michelle Nichols. Yeah. Because she joined Star Trek because she left her, right? Yeah, that... So if Michelle had come back in some way, it would have been great if she could have at least just... Well, they wouldn't have, though, because the only person who got to interact was uh, Kirk and Picard. No, but she was in the 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 refugees at the start. 
So she could yeah, have had yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah, She could have had. If a... the shell had been there, there could have just been a little moment where they, she like puts Ant on the shoulder and tells her she's alright or something. She probably had some pretty good reasons for not being there. I know, <laughs> but that that would just would have been nice, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I I like and stuff, but I feel like I was. This film feels like it should be. Ah, oh, you finally understand Guinan. I still kind of done. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of like we're making a major motion picture. We can put Whoopi in the credits. Let's put Whoopi in the credits. Yeah, I know. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, she definitely has some episodes where she's a little more substantial. Yeah, but they, they feel like... Um, Soren's meant to be like one of her people, right? Right. So you feel like, oh, we're going to get some answers, but we don't really. No. Also, they fled the Borg and were found by the Enterprise B... Like, so how close were the Borg to Federation space at the end of Shatner's lifetime? Yeah. Kirk's lifetime. Yeah. That doesn't It should have been pretty far. But I guess, yeah, maybe they got through a wormhole or something stupid. I don't know. You know what's super confusing about this movie? What's that? The uniforms. Because it doesn't look like they should be big screen uniforms? Well, they start off, they're all in their TNG uniforms, and they, like, some are now wearing the, the updated ones, and some aren't. It's like, shouldn't there be, like, a memo, like, on this date, please start wearing the new uniform? I don't know. I mean, Starfleet loves new uniforms, so maybe yeah. some people just can't be bothered. <laughs> it's just like in every other truck, it's like, change, right? Maybe, maybe uh, Enterprise, not Enterprise, Discovery. You get, like, Pike still in this uniform, Discovery are in that uniform. It starts to acknowledge it a bit. Yeah, it's a lot later, too. But and it, it's not quite as disorienting as this one. Yeah, maybe it's, like... And then at the end... Maybe the people just think, like, you know what? I'm going to give it a week and see if Starfleet sticks with this one. Then I'll get fitted for the new uniform. Well, they've been sticking <laughs> with it for two years on Deep Space Nine already. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as First Contact came out, they switched... In the middle of the season, they switched the uniforms on Deep Space Nine. Ah. It wasn't even, like, the start of the season. Like, in the middle of... Season five, like new uniforms. Huh. They actually get a cool plot point out of that because one character is actually supposed to have been away for a while, so when right. he shows up again, he's like in the old uniform. So that's kind of huh. cool. But <laughs> nice. yeah. Anyway, I just I, I made lots of notes about the uniforms because I do that. I think I, that's I also a big fashion. reason why it doesn't feel as cinematic is because we never saw TOS uniforms in the TOS movies. Right. I guess Command gets the uniforms first, but why Riker first, not Picard? Because Picard's off. No one wanted to it's go and that. bother Picard when he's, like, crying in his room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we hey, got a new uniform Captain, for you. So I know you've just tragically lost your brother and his son, but we do need you to change your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Another bit of geek design. Um, in this movie, they have families in sickbay in the drive section. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Was it the point that always you keep all of the, like, kind of like day-to-day um, -day stuff in the saucer because the, the saucer is a part of the battle bridge, right? Yeah. yeah, that's the battle bridge. That's the phasers and nacelles section. You don't, in the shuttlecraft, you don't keep families and sick bays in there. Well, I, they're, they're, I mean, they'd have an auxiliary. There could be two sick bays, so I, mean, I would forgive that. Uh, maybe the families were doing the phaser why tour was, that week. <laughs> yeah, why was Dr. Crusher in the secondary sick bay then? Uh, she, sure, she shows up at both. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it was clearly just uh, we want to add some drama. Shit. Let's show. Let's, we need to show kids running. We need yeah. to show LaForge saving kids. It's like, oh, we've got budget for extras this week. Is what it was. This week. <laughs> <laughs> but that is how it feels, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Since this is our first track, I mean, how do you feel about the fact that we're going to keep all the families on the Enterprise D? Because no other ship and trek bothers to do that. Well, no ship and trek bothers to show that. I but assume because... that E doesn't have families. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's a little smaller, right? Yeah, well, because D is, it's not a warship. Right. It's a science vessel which is spending, like, decades in deep space. Right. People are going to have families. But the Enterprise never spent decades. It would go out for a few weeks and come back and do some in Starfleet again, you know? Right, but people, are spe- people live on that. And, and when Next Generation... The crew are spending decades on that. Yeah, when, when Next Generation starts, like, obviously, um, you know... It's super Star- modern, pretty, so... Yeah, and Starfleet's in, like, this Halicon era. Like, yeah. The next Enterprise, the impression I had is there are no families on it because now this thing has to go like battle the board, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like that is. I think it, I always thought it made sense. It makes sense, but it, it definitely comes across as weird in this movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, it would have come across super weird if they still had them in the next movie. But, like you say, it doesn't seem like they do. Right. It seems we're back to being. Because at the start of this movie, they're not doing any of that stuff. Yeah. They just happen to have to go and do a rescue mission. Right, but yeah, I mean, like the like the Enterprise D. I'm just saying its original mission. Once the Bo- especially once the Borg shows up, and then if you want to get into D space time, we got the Dominion War, and yeah. after that point, Starfleet's they're they're I mean they're obviously gotten a little more military than paramilitary at that point. Yes. Whereas at the start of Next Gen, yeah, they're pretty pretty much like a you know a love and happiness crew. Right. All diddling each other. Not the kids, though, right? Not the kids. The, okay. the, 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 yeah. Well, it's, Picard doesn't, because he makes such a big deal when he finally gets a girlfriend. He won't even go to the oh, poker is it games. Okay? Yeah. Data did it with Tasha, right? It's fully functional. Roy. Uh, Roy. <laughs> Tro- Who the fuck is Tro- Roy? <laughs> that's like Guy from Galaxy that, that's, Quest. That's, that's, Hi, I'm Roy. <laughs> that's why shipping for Troy and Riker. <laughs> oh, okay, Roy. Anyway, it seemed like they were just like friends. I think Triker's not much better, is <laughs> it? <laughs> anyway, they, they, like, the, the, sh- the show just showed they were like, friends with benefits the entire time because Riker and Troy could both go run off and yeah. deal with whoever they wanted and then when they were bored go meet up again it seemed oh yeah no, it's the 25th century you can do that stuff LaForge More power to them LaForge was just LaForge was constantly <laughs> thirsting after chicks who weren't interested <laughs> right. because they were freaking holograms or something <laughs> yeah LaForge is always barking up the wrong tree <laughs> no no one gives enough credit to the fact that Jordy LaForge is a creep <laughs> It's because LeVar Burton's so likable. I know, but he's playing like such a weird little incel. His best friend is an emotionless robot. <laughs> <laughs> and he acts surprised about it every time. Oh, Data. And they don't get along quite as well in this movie once he gets emotions. Probably because yeah. it's malfunctioning. He just keeps laughing like a goon. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, I don't think the chip is malfunctioning. I think it's just he can't after that, lo- that long without emotions to suddenly have them. Yeah, yeah. you would find it weird. Well, he does say it, like, fuses, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's just why you can't take it back out. Right. Right, I guess it's still functional. Um, also, yeah, because they, it's like when a three-year-old child learns about jokes for the first time. Oh. He constantly thinks that you're going to find the dumb shit he finds funny as funny as he does. I, I like lo- Mr. Tricorder. <laughs> <laughs> I love the um, fan theory uh, that, that Wesley Crusher is actually Picard's son. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Keep it down low because you don't want to besmirch Jack Crusher's uh, memory. <laughs> well, I, in, I mean, 
Picard is very much his father figure. Exactly. So, so why not just, it's kind of a fun bit of record. And, and also just kind of, you know, you got to tarnish Picard a little bit. Well, the new show does quite a bit of that, right? Not well, really. Well, well, not his core, but they definitely show him as a, a much more flawed, like his... But pride. his biggest flaw was that he was too... Prideful. Too Starfleet. His, I guess too prideful, Starfleet. but also too Starfleet. Yeah, yeah. Too Starfleet. Well, if, that's what makes all the Star Trek captains so good. They represent the very best of Starfleet. Which actually, Starfleet isn't quite that. Yeah. But they are. So anyway, I actually like that bit of... Uh, not that Wesley shows up here, but uh, yeah. that bit of retconning that... Uh, not just since I'm talking about the crew diddling each other, that uh, <laughs> just to tie in Dr. Crusher and uh, Picard a bit more. And hell, they practically got up to that in a few episodes anyway, so. Yeah. Not the yeah, best ones, but those two. But. Mm. <laughs> so, no, uh, see, let's, let's not tarnish Picard's memory, but let's keep the fan theory. They had a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> That makes it, yeah, now he's more awesome, man. <laughs> she yeah. has a double stuffed Oreo, so you don't know who's that. She's not, right, she's not quite sure which one. <laughs> they decided it was best never to check. <laughs> but then when, when Wesley starts losing his hair in his 30s, they know what's going on. <laughs> oh, Will Wheaton's still got some hair, so. Also, that comes on the mother's side. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking oh, about. Oh, what did Wheaton show up in recently? It was really surprising. Oh, me and Rob are watching the Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, like his voice is there? He's, yeah, he's a voice okay. actor in that. Okay. That's actually also legit really good. Yeah. <laughs> I just now know him as a dude that's on the internet a lot. And, um, yeah. and, and I, last time I remember it was Big Bang Theory. So. Yeah, he's on that a lot. Yeah. Godzilla and Kong, Alien and Predator, Batman and Superman, Kirk and Picard together at last on the big screen. Never quite, never quite works. Um, I don't know. If, I was pretty happy with Freddy versus Jason. Mm. But a lot of people weren't, so that might just be me. But okay, I think the act, the one that is a more fair comparison though, is the Marvel stuff, mm. because they're both Star Trek characters. They are already in the same universe. You don't have to bend over too far right. to have them meet. You just gotta get the time stuff, but you know, Trek's perfectly it's, happy to do that. time stuff, yeah. They did it, they did it perfectly well with Scotty and Spock. Right. So yeah, it wasn't that much of a leap. But, how do you feel about this film? And just specifically in terms of that, in terms of this finally being the crossover. I know it was very underwhelming when it came out. Just right. in, in part because the, the whole TOS cast was not there. Even though it would have been a cameo if they stuck with the script. Yeah. Um, another weird fan theory, and honestly, by the time this episode comes out, we will have already confirmed or denied it, I think, but uh, that some of the Yesterday's Enterprise, actually, originally, instead of that being the Enterprise C, it would have been the Enterprise B. And right. And would have, you know, send Kirk's crew back to go... Um, you know, blow themselves up to uh, to impress the Klingons. Okay. That would have worked as a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if that wasn't the idea at any point, that would have worked as a movie. I, a little more depressing, but hey, Kirk dies anyway. I, just, I, I guess, well, that wouldn't work because you got Scotty and stuff too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think this might have been an earlier idea, but... 
But well, yesterday's Enterprise predates the Scotty episodes, right? Right, right, and and Spock. So yeah, yeah. Well, McCoy, though, so, uh, I guess I don't know. Oh, yeah, McCoy shows up in the first episode. Yeah, so uh, that you know what? That's probably wrong, but mm. still, that that would have been a more let's let's just take the continuity out. Would right. that be a more effective? Um, so we don't have Enterprise against Enterprise in that case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have them working together. We have the D crew sending the old crew off to basically die. Um, is that better or worse? Uh, the problem is it still it takes agency away from one or the other. Mm. Because they're, they're never going to be together as equals because the Enterprise D crew are from a more advanced time. Right. They're always going to have the better tech, the better science, the better knowledge of current, like, astropolitics, I guess you'd call it. Right? <laughs> so whatever you do, it's going to be like... It's going to feel like the Transformers movie... Uh, chuck out those old toys, get these new toys. But we all know all the toys at this point. They're all the old toys. Really, yeah, I know, I know. In a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think just having it just purely human is the way to do it. Mm. Because they can, they're, they're all great, good, good people is the way to compare them. Yes. So maybe done something like, like in Beyond where they don't have the Enterprise anymore and done both crews. That could have been really fun. Yeah. Or just do what, I, I like this film and the concept. But like I said, it just we don't get very much of it. One thing that I, I think is pretty satisfying, uh, you just mentioned Beyond and losing the Enterprise, so they lose the Enterprise here, and it's a pretty good sequence. Right, but it came like... like, like you thought second, that was the climax. Yeah, it comes as like the second act climax. Yeah. In my head, it's like Picard and Kirk are battling on the planet, Riker's battling in space, you're having a great, try, great big climactic action scene. That's not what happens. It would have been The space more stuff is completely resolved, done, <laughs> then the Picard plot kicks off. <laughs> it's, it's, weird just weird, yeah, it's just weird storytelling. Again, they though. structure it like a two-episode thing, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, that, that would be where the To Be Continued would be. It didn't would have, be when the star explodes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it didn't have the cinematic uh, structure. It had a, a, a ten-act, two-episode structure, basically. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a flaw and and that is usually the criticism for most TNG movies well they wouldn't have been bad ep episodes but as movies they're a little wonky except for Nemesis which is wonky in many ways yeah that's it does have a very young handsome Tom Hardy though it does no see I don't feel like he's handsome yet no okay. he needs age okay yeah. sure well he's not quite buff enough is he maybe that's because Tom, Tom Hardy's got the face that suits a real muscular build yeah but on a slim build he just looks kind of weird okay and yeah he's a bit baby faced Anyway, I just felt like throwing him in again. <laughs> I know. I do like Tom Hardy. Yeah. But, but yeah, Insurrection and this are very much like... Hey, go on, time... You think Tom Hardy is your ally? <laughs> you merely adopted Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I, I, let me... I want to compare not Best of Both Worlds, because that would just be the best Trek... Uh, start TNG movie, at least. Right. Um, let's compare this with, let's say, Descent or Time's Era. They're fun to watch or not. Could you even know what I'm talking about? I try to remember. I know what Best of Both Worlds is. I'm trying to remember what okay, those Time's Arrow me. is where they find Data's head and they end up back in yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, okay, yeah, I love that one. That's a good one. Okay, it's, but I mean, that would have been a great episode. Not even a great episode. It's a fun episode. Would have yeah. been a weird movie. Uh, Descent is where Data first gets the emotion chip and goes evil for a bit. Okay. Brother Lore is there in the board. I don't think, yeah, I haven't, I'm just coming up on that one in my rewatch. Okay, it's, it's. I'm one of those guys I can basically sit down and like watch any TNG almost yeah. um, maybe not Code of Honor but uh, most of them I can sit down and watch I could sit down and watch that but I would be having thoughts and want to talk about it after <laughs> <laughs> right 
But anyway, I, you know, I can, you know, it's, it's, it's like sex is like pizza or Trek is like pizza, right? Like, you know, most people. That's something you can say when you're a man. <laughs> that sex is like pizza. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Women have had a lot of bad sex, man. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Sorry, I thought that was the normal phrase, sex is like pizza. No, it came up recently on a, uh, another podcast. Okay. It was a Star Trek podcast, actually. Oh. And one of the dudes said it, basically, the way you're saying it. He's like, yeah, sex is like pizza and like Star Trek. Because that it's was it. good. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, that's because you're a guy. <laughs> because that, I'll tell you why he said, and I said, because that was in the, just before this movie came out, Entertainment Weekly oh, magazine. Okay. Where they had that quote in there. I think yeah. that's, where, that's where I got it. That's him. why it's so associated with Star Trek, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so just to uh, yeah. defang that a bit. Oh, um, no, yeah, I wasn't actually going to go with no, you. I know. But no, it's no. funny because men do throw that phrase out. Yeah, yeah. But it only applies to men. In Trek terms. Because, you know, just fucking stroke it a bit and it'll come. So. Yeah. <laughs> in Trek terms, it's because I think it was in that magazine that a lot of Trekkies read at the time. Yeah, you're probably right. So, um, anyway, Wait, so far, we're on our seventh Star Trek film. I've enjoyed all of them. Yeah. I like Star Trek movies. Yeah, same here. But, yeah, this does, I can see why if you were like buzzing, going to the cinema, it's a big thing, this really does. It's legitimately not quite as good as any of the TOS movies. No, you're probably right. But it can be more, like, it's kind of like a nice blanket of a movie, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, at con, you kind of got to at least turn on most of your cylinders to engage with. That's right. when you kind of just lean back and, oh, there's some nice, there's some groovy Trek stuff going on. So I could chill out to this movie better in con. I very much watched this as, like, watching an episode. Yeah. It's really the only way. I, that's a, that's why people can't call it a good movie, because it's, it's an episode. It's, yeah. And it's an okay episode. It's, a, it's an average episode. Yeah, the concept's there, the performances are there. The effects are even there. I would even go just, the script just needed one more rewrite by an actual film guy. Yeah. I would <laughs> even go with Insurrection as a slightly above average episode. Yeah. Uh, which I don't. I might be in the minority on that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. See, I, in my, in, this might not hold up for a rewatch, but in my head, First Contact is a film. We're going to get to that. We're going to get that pretty It soon. is a film, yeah. and we're going to get to that one, but uh, yeah. For, but then also, it's the one that shits on Picard. <laughs> well, it's the one that turns into movie Picard because yeah. he, he is not. But it's, it's understandable in that one. Yeah, they try and make a movie Picard a little bit at the end, and it doesn't take. Um, right. They definitely get movie Picard going in first contact, which. Yeah. I guess Insurrection has just a little bit of movie Picard. And then Nemesis has way too much movie Picard, so. Right. <laughs> but in, like, a first contact, again, maybe this won't hold up. I've always forgiven the movie Picard because it's him dealing with his huge PTSD. Yeah. Like, we're not meant to think this is Picard of all of his faculties. Yeah, this is a kind of screwed up, like, you know, that Picard might be like, I guess I'm just going to stay in this creepy Victorian house. Okay, but here's the thing. So, to go back to Shatner himself, for this film, had he gotten over his ego? Because uh, he's clearly second billing to Picard. Yeah. I had, he's a minor role. He lets He has a death at the end. He's not really the big damn hero. That's Picard who finally finishes it off. I remember reading in the in the movie memories yeah. uh, that whoever he told the story to, <laughs> but uh, that he had forgotten to grow his Kirk sideburns before the filming of this oh, yeah, and yeah, had yeah. to like put on the fake ones. Like his daughter's like, "Where's your Kirk sideburns?" Oh crap! So he might have not been like a hundred percent invested, you know? Yeah. I mean, you give him enough money, and once again, and you know, six was a nice ending. Yeah. So hey, you don't do this. Why not? You know? Right, um, but I could ima- if it had been like. Well, it was only like two years after six, right? Yeah, like three years, yeah. Because, yeah, because it feels like six, Shatner would have been like, no, I'm the star. Well, do you do know the opening deleted scene? 
Nah. The opening deleted scene has Kirk um, like free diving from space. Huh. So he gets like this big manly scene. You kind of like climbing the mountain to yeah, start yeah. with. It, I think it's actually filmed. I think huh. you can actually, I think I've seen it. Um, they ended up reusing that reusing costume. Reusing it for the and, Kelvin verse. Yeah, Kelvin verse is something. Kelvin verse has multiple space diving scenes, remember? So. Oh, it's not those. It's a different no, one. No, but it was I, I like... I think it might have been a DS9 or Voyager episode. No, but I, th- I think though they were because this idea for a film had been kicking around for a while. Yeah, and they filmed it. Yeah. Uh, so that was Shatner saying like, hey, give me give me this like movie star scene, which didn't end up in the movie. Huh. <laughs> and they And they did, after the test screenings, redo the ending. Mm. Uh, and the original Soren just shoots Kirk in the back. Okay, here's a concept. Did Kirk die on the Enterprise B? And the Nexus just gave Picard a Kirk. He does show up in the real universe, though. No, but th- we don't know how the Nexus's power works, right? True. He said it can give you whatever you want. Yeah, but Picard felt- wanted a dude to help him beat Soren. I felt like the Echoes couldn't make it out. You're probably right. Yeah. But we we don't really. Guinan sort of made that. I mean, yeah. Echo Guinan sort of made that clear. Like yeah. I oh, can't go I can't with you because I'm an you, Echo, yeah. right? Yeah, but that wasn't. An, there's not an Echo. It's just Picard invented a Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty. I think I'm going to stick with that. That was Kirk. Oh, yeah, I right? prefer that. Right? But it's still so kind like of a bummer for them, Kirk, me. of course. He didn't quite die alone either. No. Picard was there. Yeah. Oh, there was a new friend. Does that mean it's like alone? They didn't spend much time together. I don't know. Maybe he that's where his to, ego got in the way. But yeah, he got to pass over, uh, you know, um, pass the torch to the new Enterprise captain. Yeah, he called him the because captain. he starts with like he's with that real dweebus Enterprise B captain, <laughs> and you can feel like he's not very happy about handing over the captainship. Cameron, we saw what he did with a Ferrari. Don't give him a starship. <laughs> Bueller. <laughs> but then yeah, we get Kirk, and it's like yeah, uh, Picard. Sorry, and uh, yeah, it's a nice little moment. That's the, the the Kirk and Picard stuff is really good. I just wish there was like thirty minutes of it instead of three minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kirk's distracted through half of it anyway because he's yeah. trying to work out the Nexus for himself. Right. <laughs> no, but that would have been a that could have been if they'd given it a whole film of him trying to convince Kirk. Yeah. And then Kirk like making the decision that could have been such a great moment, but it's like they've barely met and he's like, okay, yeah, I'll come help you save the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, we, we know from this side of paradise, Kirk is not really down with uh, just hanging in the dopamine unrealities. Yeah. <laughs> or Kirk shouldn't be, at least. <laughs> <laughs> he, he almost seems... Well, he is older here, so you get to a certain point, I guess it's like, why not, you know? Oh, I, I meant to look this up, and I didn't. How close in age was Stuart and Shatner? They're about 10 years, I think, I want to say. Oh, okay. Because Shatner's pushing 90 now, right? Yeah. And um, Picard's only just 80, 80 yeah. so... About ten years. God, Patrick Stewart, yeah, the real yes, human being. Yes, yes, Picard's much older, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I just in my head, they're the same guy. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there's Professor X, and there's that wacky guy that makes weird jokes. I guess that's actually Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah, because like, because um, Kirk's doing is like the fully retired and stuff. Yeah. And now Picard is only his first movie, and he's starting to do the oh maybe I should retire thing. Well, the first episode of Star Trek did that. Yeah. <laughs> True. So. pose the question a little differently does this hold up if you're not a hardcore trekkie well i was gonna say i think this holds up 
better now than when it released. Just that you don't instantly throw it in with the TV show. Well, because like you've, across it you've just seen, like the last movie you saw was The Undiscovered Country, one of the best. Mm. The TV show's finished. Ah, oh, we're going to get the next movie and it's going to bring the TNG crew in. Kirk's going to meet Picard. It's going to be the best thing I've ever seen in and my life. And let's not forget all good things is also a better movie than this. Yeah. Even though it's a TV show. So you're like, I'm, I could imagine the excitement going into this. I was four years old and I was excited. I was 15 and I was definitely yeah. on, on the wave. And yeah, it is disappointing. But I watched it on the same laptop I've been watching the episodes. It's just another episode. It's really good. <laughs> so yeah, maybe you do need to be a hardcore Trekkie. Yeah. Because, yeah, I wouldn't like our friend Matty wants to watch some Star Trek. I'm not going to put him down in front of this. <laughs> <laughs> but if, you've, if you're watching the show and you can easily just click over your mouse and go on this now instead, yeah, it's fine. It's nice. It's good. I watch this regularly. I mean, I got, I got the VHS when it came out. Mm. I, mean, I was one of those new release purchase guys anyway. You know, I, I had it on DVD then, I think. Uh, actually, I'm not sure. But I got the Blu-ray set. Here's one of the things with my Blu-ray set. I, I got a used one. Someone is skipping, right? Like, mm. I couldn't watch Generations anymore. So there went several years when I, when I just didn't watch Generations. And then I watched it. And I, I like this. It's fun. I think that's where, like, the motion picture kind of went up in my book, too. I couldn't watch it for a few years. And I'd seen the director's cut, which doesn't quite do it for me. It's a bit too long, right? Oh, no, it's short, right? I think I don't know. It's it's reaffected. It doesn't yeah. have that full on Doug Trimble. Yeah. Um, and just being able, like, I was real happy to revisit this movie. Again, I'm not really making the point. Does this hold up for a non-hardcore Trekkie? But I, that's my view. So. But yeah, I feel like this is one of those films. You're not gonna watch it if you're not a hardcore Trekkie. Mm. This is not trying to be anything other than some hardcore Trek for hardcore Trekkies. They could make those movies in the '90s, I guess, because they can't now. Yeah. The Kelvinverse definitely does not walk this walk. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's 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 Trek for people. Yeah, never it's, heard it's, all, it's it's better if you don't like Trek in yeah. some ways. Yeah, I would argue beyond this Trek, but mm. I I think I would too. But yeah, the 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 first couple definitely ruffle some some geek feathers. If and the second one was a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll it's have, not even a good film outside of Star Trek. I'm going to have to... We'll be revisiting oh, that no. at some that's point. Gonna be my, that's my new Ready Player One. <laughs> Is it? Okay. No, no, I, 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 definitely I don't, don't hate it anywhere near it. on that level. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See, no, I, I think it's a bad film. Mm. I don't think it's a hateful piece of fucking crime against humanity. <laughs> I got, you gave me a whole podcast. Don't let me go again. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. I'm angry now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just, just put that back. Oh... Yeah, okay. Put that thing back where it came from also helped me. There we go. <laughs> so putting Generations back where it came from is... It's a very 90s film. Mm. It, it, it's a, it existed at a time where you could be medium budget, which doesn't exist anymore. True. <laughs> you have like little indie art house things, or you have the budget of a small nation. Yeah, I was... I mean, I was... A, I, I was Trek geeking when this came out, and I was like, "Really? That's a, that's the budget? Shouldn't it be bigger?" Yeah, but that that's my own bias coming in there. So it's nice you can make these now because that's why Kelvinverse couldn't keep putting out movies. They have to be these like massive productions, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um the Bond franchise always makes this mistake mm. because they do well. It's like, well, the next one's going to be bigger and better. Well, you can't do it for fifty years. No, so you need just give me a tight little spy film. I guess that's Batman people, as well. Yeah, they keep trying to make Batman bigger and better. And the new one looks good because they're not doing that. Yeah. Here's a little crime caper. Well, like. Nolan pulled it back at first. But yeah, then they had to get bigger. So. Yeah. Um, 
Because if anything, I guess that's Dark where... Knight is smaller than Begins. Okay. Well, the length certainly isn't. No, but like... And the story certainly isn't, but yeah. Okay. No, but it, it's epic in like a human way, whereas Begins is like, oh, here's a freaking super weapon that's going to destroy Gotham. Yeah. Which Dark Knight doesn't really do. And with Bond, I, I guess that's why people... Honestly, I don't like Skyfall as much as everyone else, but I guess that's where people like Skyfall. I kind of dialed it back a bit. No, Skyfall went crazy. Yeah, but the ending was just like Home Alone. Yeah, but it had like all kinds <laughs> of train crashes and gadgets and stuff. Okay. Whereas I, I like Casino Royale where it's just a poker game and a gunfight. Like, yeah, well, that's the book that's anyway. That's Bond to me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of the Home Alone segment in Skyfall, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but that's still like he has to take out like 30 bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, but blow up my six and shit. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, really, yeah, I guess you're a Trek geek. You're listening to this one. Otherwise, you know, you might stumble into our Star Trek Two podcast, but you're probably not stumbling into Generations. No. First Contact, you might stumble into, but probably not Generations. Right. So, um, we. But I, I guess the person we're talking to right now is the person who is a Star Trek fan but hasn't gone back and watched the films in a while. Mm. In which case, I would say. Just watch Generations like it's another two-parter of TNG, and you will like it. Yeah, I think that's the normal advice for this one, so... Just, if this ju- this should just come on the DVD as, like, a couple episodes after Best of Post Vlogs, basically. I guess that's thing in the 90s, you could make those middle-budget movies for geeks, uh, adding in the subtext that they'd probably mostly be privileged white male geeks, but... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now... Because now you can do... You can make low-budget geek for anyone, really. you got the technology. It's just... Right. Now it's distribution's an issue. But yeah, with I mean that's I guess turning around with like online distribution. Yeah. Because yeah, there's there's like there's some decent stuff and it's just like on YouTube. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, yeah, we have like all those Star Trek shows. Yeah, there's some great <laughs> fan stuff. Uh, and for for better or for worse, the uh, recent glut of Star Trek shows has mostly made those illegal. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm generally pretty happy with the new Star Trek shows, so I guess it's cool. Yeah, Star Trek on TV is okay at the moment. I, I, in the end, I mean, TV really is the place for Trek. Yes. I mean, that's just the way to think about this sort of philosophy the best, I think. But Well, yeah, the best Trek films have never been Trek. Yeah. It's like Interstellar. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess we should probably get to the end of this stuff. So you want to tell them about our stuff? Yeah, if you want to find our podcast, we're on Twitter at MLSFSPod. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook just Apple Podcasts just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary uh, if you like Matt's music which you might have heard throughout this episode you can find that at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com um, and if you want to hear more of my voice I do some other podcasts I do one about Monster Hunter Monsters which you can find at Monster Mash Pod and I do one about Pocket Monsters which you can find at Luke Loves PKMN um, and until next time you should uh, go back to the Nexus oh boy I timed that perfectly man yeah Matt just went for a piss listener well, I knew you could. You could rattle it all off. I knew it was going to happen. I, did, I just assumed you just weren't going to come back. No, no, no. I was timing <laughs> it, man, and I timed it. You, you jumped the gun a little. You were going fast too, by the way. Yeah, because I wanted to do it before you got back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. What do we do to send folks out today? Well, they're going to desperately try to leave our sanctuary and go back to the Nexus. Mm, the Sci-Fi Nexus. That, that's like our rival podcast. But we'll have to record it because I don't think it exists. Yeah, well, if it does exist, we're going to destroy them in a steel cage.
week, Noah.